This is the story of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. Too far gone, too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story end that way. Relentless grace would chase this rebel down and crawl into this prisoner's cage. Take my hand and pull me out. You knew I couldn't make the change, so you became the change in me. And now I live to tell the story of the God who rescues. I'm amazed by where I stand. Your cross is the proof that love made the first move. You need a way for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance, even if I wanted to. You came running after me.
get our ushers to come forward. We're going to take up an offering. Everything you give in this offering tonight will go to Brother Travis, our, our evangelist, and we're thankful that he's with us this week and uh, for what he's already been doing and blessing our hearts. And uh, we're excited for what he's going to share with us from the Word of God this evening. So uh, be praying for him and lifting him up. All right. Jason, why don't you ask a blessing on the offering? Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Glory to the blood applied glory to his name I am so wondrously saved from sin Jesus so sweetly abides within there at the cross where he took me in glory to his name glory to his name Glory to His name, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory 
to his name. Last verse. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was. Thank you.
song that uh, he mentioned, Ben Rochester, he and I have become good buddies, and uh, uh, we wrote this song together in January 21, and it's called Pray Away the Rain, and I'm thankful we have a God that hears and answers our prayer, uh, but I'm thankful we have a God that hears our prayers and still knows what's best for us, and uh, he, I'm thankful we have a sovereign God that knows the beginning from the end, and he does all things according to his good will and pleasure, and for his glory, and uh, this song, the lyric says, I will learn to praise your name. When I can't pray away the rain, I hope it's a blessing. <laughs> fears would follow Take away the pain 
that you're working for my And when I cannot understand, I will hold your unsane hand, and your grace will be my strength. I will learn to praise your name when I can't pray away the rain. Lord, you made the skies and you made the rain. You've been right here where I am and you In the center of your will When I can't pray away the rain When you won't take away the pain I will trust that you're working for my good And when I cannot understand I will hold your unsane hand And your grace will be my strength I will learn to praise your name When I can't pray away the rain God, you are faithful to you're working for my good and when I cannot understand I will hold your unseen hand and your grace will be my strength I will learn to praise your name when I can't pray
choir, uh, the song the choir started out with, uh, I never have heard that song before, but I'm glad when Christ done the saving, he's the one that done all the saving. And this song here has become a favorite for us. Um, he will hold me fast. I'm thankful when God saved me, saved me for forever. And I'm, I'm, I can rest in that.
finish up this evening with a song. Are you sure one more is okay, Dad? Okay. I don't want to butt into the preaching time, but we drove here to do some singing, so we don't mind doing that either. <laughs> um, this is a song here I wrote after our oldest son, Jaden, was born. Jaden, you'll see throughout the, these days here, he has Down syndrome, and uh, we didn't know we had it till after he was born. And the doctors come in, they told us the news about Jaden, and they give us a book of things. That was most likely to be wrong with Jaden. We thank the Lord. He's a healthy boy. And sometimes I feel he's a little too healthy. <laughs> he gets around pretty good, if you know what I mean. I, I tell people he's got two speeds, fast and faster. And he usually stays on that latter speed most of the time. Uh, but we thank the Lord for Jaden. This is not a sad story. We thank the Lord for him. It wouldn't, it wouldn't trade, wouldn't change a thing. Uh, but at the time, though, uh, I had to ask God to forgive me. Uh, not outwardly, but inwardly, I shook my fist at God and said, How dare you give me a child with special needs and going to need special attention all of his days? And you know how us humans do? We kind of keep a checklist with God and how we've done things for him. So now he owes us. And uh, the Holy Spirit smote my heart and uh, become so real to me that God does all things for his glory and not for Andrew's glory, no one else's. And I had to ask God to forgive me. And uh, through about the first year of Jaden's life, I just wrote this song here have an apology to the Lord. I know we've all had those times in our lives where we've questioned what God was doing, and uh, but uh, the testimony of y'all being here, you're saying, God, you're still the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and that's the title of this, this last song here. Again, I'd 
still choose you a thousand times and a thousand times again cause you're still the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and I still love you with all of my heart you Still the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You've been too good to me for me to think of walking away. Your grace has been sufficient and your love has never waved. So I'll lift my hands to praise you. Cause you've been so good to me And you're always gonna be The greatest thing That's ever happened to me And I sure love you with all of my heart Your ways are always perfect what I need. You're still the greatest thing. You're still the greatest thing. You're still the greatest thing that's ever happened to And there's a brighter day coming.
thankful they're with us and what a song amen and I'll tell you what when you just uh, pour your heart out to the Lord and uh, and just put it out there what a blessing what a blessing Travis I believe the Lord's prepared your heart tonight to preach to us and uh, I'm excited to hear what he has for us Travis come on and share with us open up the word of God tonight amen. praise the Lord praise the Lord brother. praise the Lord praise the Lord wasn't that good Oh, my soul. That's the first time that uh, I've heard them before, but not uh, in person. I loved it, friend. Yeah. I don't know if you brought CDs or if you're on iTunes, but if not, we need to figure that out in the next 30 minutes. Praise the Lord. Need to get me some of that, take some of that home with me. Praise the Lord. Uh, Andrew, and yesterday I shared a story about my son who has special needs, and so that song touched my heart uh, that uh, part of that song I think, believe you said I prayed forever prayed it seemed like forever and the answer still was no I shared a story about my son and he's 12 years old now and he's still special needs seems like I prayed forever I shared with the people yesterday and I'll share with you that God is always, as that song said, working things out for his good and our good and his glory. And uh, so I began to search what God was trying to do in my season of life that I was begging God to change. What he taught me in that season of life was how to pray. I never prayed like that before until uh, my son came down like he did. 
So I praise the Lord for that song, friend. It's not just true in your life, but it's true in my life. I believe that song sent from God because not only is it true in my families and your families, but I believe it's true in a whole lot of families' lives. <laughs> that he's still the greatest thing. <laughs> regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the heartache, and we're not making light of it, but praise the Lord, both hands raised, he's worthy, and he's the greatest thing that I've ever, ever known, ever had. Get your Bibles and turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, preach to you real quick about some things about the reminder of God's goodness to Israel. Psalm 78 is about the reminder of God's goodness to Israel, and I want to remind us tonight of God's goodness in a sense, if you will. I want us to remember who God is and remember what he's done in our life and, and remember not only what he has done, but what he can do, that, that God can do the impossible. He still can. The Bible says uh, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And that's still true today. It's not just Bible stories and it's not just fairy tales. Oh, no, it's, it's true and it's, it's all real that God is alive and, and very ever-present, uh, uh, not just in heaven, but amongst his people right now this very hour, I believe, by the Spirit of God and, and he is still able uh, to do the things that we read about. He is still able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He's still able to do those miracles that we talked about last night. God can do what it is that you need God to do. There's a difference between want and need and you know that and, and sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes it's more want than it is need. But I I can stand and say tonight that I know that God has been able to take care of every need that I've ever had. And sometimes he does it in ways that seem late, four days late at the tomb, still right on time. There's been some seasons in my life when I thought God wasn't coming through only to find out not only did he come through, but he exactly was right on time. And that same God in the past is the same God in the present and it's the same God in the future. Let's be reminded tonight that God can. He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. What we need, God can do. Sometimes he does give the wants and sometimes it is benefits and it is blessings. The Bible says daily he loadeth me with benefits. Not only does he provide the need for his people, oh, for his children, but I'm glad that he's kind every once in a while and goes above and beyond. He said he can do above all that we can even ask or think. My goodness, that's a good God and that God still can do that for you tonight. I don't know the trouble. I don't know the heartache. I don't know the hearts of the people. I've got to know you now for two days shaking hands and saying hello. I don't even know what's on the pastor's heart to be honest with you, but there is some things in our life. I know they're all in mind. When I need God to do for me what I cannot do, what no one else can do, what money he can't do. God can do. Yes, he can. Let's read in the Bible here. I'll preach on this thought that yes, he can. But let's look here. I'll begin reading in uh, let me begin reading in verse 1. It's okay to read a little bit of Bible. That does the preaching anyway, isn't it? Give ear, O my people, to the law and climb your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. 
He will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works, wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he make them known to, uh, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. We are supposed to remember what God's done and they are supposed to tell their children about it. Uh, and might not as be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant God and refused to walk in his law and forgot and forget his works and his wonders and he had, that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zohan. That's when he, when he freed them from Egypt. He divided the sea. Do you remember that? The Red Sea. And, and caused them to pass through on dry land, remember? And he made the waters to stand as a heap. This is also what he done for them. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and at night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. They drank from rocks in the wilderness. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers, not just a babbling brook, but a river of water. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. They tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, and here's our really text verse of the message, can God provide, furnish, a table in the wilderness. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Uh, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Meat did, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by, the power, by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. He let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitation. So they did eat, and they were filled." for he gave them their own desire. I want to preach on this thought. Yes, he can. Can God provide a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? They're in a place here wandering in the wilderness and they're uh, away from God, if you will, and, and wandering because of their own rebellion and their own disobedience, but we still see here the goodness of God. We still see the remembrance of the people of Israel about how God treated them in the middle of the wilderness, a place where there was no bread and a place where there was no water, a place where there was no nourishment, a place where there was no table. Uh, they were saying there's no hope out here. There's no hope in our situation. There's no way out of this situation. We're to die out here. Many times you remember scripture when they was said we would have just stayed in Egypt. It would have been had better there. God had made them free and took care of them. We're going to look 
there's some things in the text tonight that I believe God can do that. God can do for you what you need done. You would have not come here tonight. Uh, well, some of you may have been drugged by mom and dad, but we just don't come tonight because we have nothing else to do. The, the number is already smaller than it was on a Sunday morning, and that's normal. I understand that. But the ones that come came for a reason. Uh, you may be fully in love with God and just constrained by the love of God and got to get around wherever God's at. I say praise the Lord for that. But there may be some that's struggling with some things in your wilderness where you think, can God, will God? And you think, I, I wonder the question tonight. Uh, we don't often question whether God can do something, but we do often question whether God will do something. Well, now I want you to sit back and ask this question uh, to yourself tonight as I preach. What is it in your life that you think God can do, but you don't think that he will for you? What do you think in your wilderness that God cannot provide the table? He cannot give the meat. He cannot give the drink. He cannot take care. He cannot satisfy. He cannot supply. He cannot strengthen. He cannot save us in this wilderness. I want to preach on this thought. Yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. He can provide. He can furnish a table in the wilderness. He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Number one in the text, verse 14. Can he satisfy? Can he satisfy? To be satisfied is to be made happy. When I'm, when I'm happy, I am satisfied. I'm glad that we have a daddy. I'm glad that we have a father uh, that likes to take care of his children. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. Can he make you happy tonight? Yes, he can. And oftentimes we say, well, it's not about feelings and it's not about this and it's not about that. And even if God's, uh, we, you know, I've met a lot of people lately that are born again and they're mad about it. <laughs> they're on their way to heaven and they're mad about it. <laughs> They've got God taking care of them and yet they seem like they're mad about it. They'll never smile and never enjoy the things of God. Oh, returning to the joy of my salvation. It's enough to make us happy just to know that we've been born again. But time after time and church after church, I go in and go out and I find people upset and people mad and people looking pretty depressed in the Christian life and it uh, wouldn't be for a lost man to desire that life oh, with all the sorrow. But can God make you happy? Can God satisfy? Yes, he can. He can make you happy. The Bible says that if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Uh, I love my children dearly and every now and then I do some good things for them. Not just what they need, but I like to make them happy. I like for them to be happy and enjoy life as long as it's within the boundaries of my home, right? And my rules, but I love them and I want to take care of them. And the Lord said, I'm an evil daddy. I am. I, I, my righteousness is just filthy rags. And, and even my good that I try to do to my children, the Father in heaven says, I outweigh that by a long shot. I can do much better for the children uh, than a fleshly father can. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. In the Bible, in verse 14, it says, In the daytime also he led them with the cloud and, at the, and all the night with the light of fire. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. I don't know if you've ever been overseas in the desert. I, I don't know if you've ever been in those areas where or, or, or in Iraq or Afghanistan or, or Egypt or the places like this. But wandering in the wilderness in a place like that, in, in the daytime, it's burning hot. In the daytime, the sun is out and scorching. 
and you'll be taking clothes off in the daytime. Oh, but when nighttime comes, in the same place when it was over 100 degrees, at the same time in that very same evening, it'd be so cold that you're adding layers on and you're piling up in the blankets and you're piling up in the sleeping bag in the tent or, or whatever the case may be. And, and the drastic weather difference and change in the desert is a drastic change to the point that in the day you'd burn up and in the night you would freeze to death. And I noticed that the Bible says that God provided them a cloud by day and a fire by night. And we do know that he led them by the cloud by day and we do know that he led them. Of course, they camped a lot, but he led them by the fire by night. But usually at night, they're not walking around. Usually at night, they're at the camp and they're resting and they're getting ready for the next day. So what is the significance of the fact God could have led them by a bird? He did that with Noah. God could have led them another way. He's done that before. He spoke through a burning bush. There are many things that God can use in order to speak and direct his people that he wants to. But the Bible says that he led them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Can God satisfy? Can he take care of you? Can he make you happy in the Lord? Yes, he can. I, I notice in the scripture that what does a cloud do when the sun is out? It provides shade from the sun. It's a good day when it's hot to, to have a cloudy day to block the sun. And at night, there's no heat like the heat of a fire. I still burn firewood at my house. And, and I don't care how much you crank that heat pump up. It will not provide the same as the heat by fire. Can God satisfy? Yes, he can. Not only did he lead them by the cloud and by the fire, but I believe he provided air conditioning in the day. And I believe he provided heat at night. I believe the cloud kept them. I believe that. That he said, I can not only get you out of Egypt and get you to where you need to go, but I can satisfy you along the way. I can make you happy on the journey. Hey, God can still make his people happy. Hey, God, hey, we ought to be thrilled to know that God sent his own son to die for me and you. We ought to be thrilled to know that his blood forgives sins. We ought to be thrilled to know that we can have the fellowship of the brethren, that he'll still answer prayer, that we are, there is a better day coming as they sing, and that heaven is real. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. You may have lost your joy. You may have lost your happiness. Maybe you don't feel and you want to throw in the towel. I've been there too, friend. But keeping your eyes on Christ, I find out that he can do for us more than even our own fathers would. He can satisfy you tonight. He can make you happy. Provided them shade in the day, heat by the night. I remember my dad wanted to take us on a vacation one time. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. So my daddy was going to be a good dad and he wanted to make his boys happy. And so we wanted to go on vacation and the church was going on vacation. The church is going to take a cruise. Now, you can think what you want about that, but I reckon a church cruise is better than a regular cruise. I don't know. I ain't never been on a regular cruise, okay? I don't know. You do what you want for vacation. But all I know is I've never been on a cruise ship before, and I was about 12 years old, and Dad said he wanted to take us on a cruise. I thought this is the best day of my life. And it was a church cruise, so I guess my dad thought that'd be all right for us to go on a church cruise. Praise the Lord. He just wanted to make us happy. Well, there was a problem. He didn't have no money. Hey, money may not make you holy, but it can make you happy <laughs> for a little bit. You know, you know what I mean? And uh, so he didn't have no money to take us on the vacation. 
So he began to pray. Lord, I want to take my kids on vacation. It's a church vacation too. Lord, you've got to be in this. And I want to take them. It was $2,500 to go on the vacation, $2,500. And uh, we didn't have that money. So there was some trusses, old trusses, you know, that you put on top of a roof. And that's where you, on top of a house, you know, you lay your roof on those trusses, pre-made trusses. Well, my dad was a carpenter and built houses and construction workers. So he had some trusses laid along the side of the house. And them trusses were there forever. So long they was there. Mom used to say all the time, when are you going to get rid of them trusses? And I used to say all the time, when are you going to get rid of them trusses? Because I was tired of weed eating around them. You know what I'm saying? So he said, well, I ain't get rid of them. I might use them. I might need them. Well, one day, and I live up a creek now in the holler of West Virginia, okay? Like, you don't stop by if you don't know whose house you're stopping by. You know what I'm saying? Even the mailman didn't stop by. He dropped them bills on the way past, friend. He did not hang out. Amazon has changed a lot up the creek. <laughs> now they bring gifts. But back in the day, if you slow down around somebody's house, you in, you in trouble, friend. You, you don't just slow down around nobody's house. There's too much trouble going on up the creek. Well, this guy was outside playing. You know, I was 12 or 13 years old, and I got a brother just 15 months younger than me. We was, you know, uh, outside playing in Carol. There's this car. He come real slow and slowed down, you know. Looked in the car, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, we got a perpetrator. You know, I'm like, right now, a burglar and a criminal is out the loose. And so I, I ran in the house, and I was like, Dad, he's out front right now. He's out. Somebody slowed down, and they're coming in the house. <laughs> Calm down, son. We're looking out the window, you know, checking the shade. He rolled on down the road, and Dad says, okay, it ain't no big deal. I said, I'm telling you, slow down. It wasn't good. I'm telling you, it was not good. So I went back outside and played, and turn, sure enough, down, down the end of the road, it, 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 it wide at the end of the road. You'd go left or you go right. Well, it was a big enough place where you could turn around up there. So he turned around and came back, and this time he slowed down and pulled in the gravel driveway, and I was like, oh, my gosh, things are getting real. <laughs> I run in the house. I was like, Dad, he's in, the, he's in the, get the gun, get the gun. My dad used to say, he may know karate, but I know Smith and Wesson. <laughs> I was like, Dad, get Smith and Brother Wesson right now. Get them right now. It's about to go down. Well, the guy jumps out, and, he, and my dad goes out there, can I help you? And he said, I noticed. Now, these trusses have been there for a long time. They're just laying on the side of the house with a tarp over them. And the guy comes out and says, hey, I wonder, I, I've been looking at them trusses you got there. I noticed on my way by, turn around and come back. I want to know if you want to sell them. But I said, well, I guess I will sell them. I've been praying God to take us on this vacation, praying God would do for us, and I just want to make my kids happy. I, let me, and my dad was not a vacation guy. He, he don't care nothing about no boat. He don't care nothing about no cruise. He don't care nothing about no bathing suit, no beach. He don't care about none of that. But he just want to make his kids happy. And so the guy said, sure, I'll buy them. Dad said $2,000. And the guy said, sure, I'll give you $2,000. Or the guy said, I'll give you $2,000 for the trusses. My dad said, all right, I'll take it. We're $500 short. And so my dad said, I'll tell you, what are you in the business of getting wood do you need some wood I got some more wood and the guy said yeah I'd get some wood if it was good wood you know he said oh my dad said I got high quality wood it's oak I, it's thick oak it's it's good it's heavy it's good you want some oak I can give you some he said well yeah where is it my dad he brought that guy in the house now I know stuff's really getting serious now that dude went from the parking lot to the house he's coming through the house my dad takes him right into my mine and my brother's bedroom takes us right into the bedroom and he said you see that wood right there he said I'll let you have all that wood right there for five hundred dollars he said, and that'd be $2,500. That guy looked at the wood right there in my bedroom and said, mm, I'll take that right then on that very spot. My dad dismantled our bunk beds right there in front of the guy and me too. He dismantled the bunk beds, threw the mattresses on the floor, packed up that oak uh, bunk bed and hauled it off, $2,500. But praise the Lord, we're going on vacation. My dad just wanted to satisfy me. He just wanted to make us happy. He just wanted to be able to do something. Look, he knew that that cruise would be more important. Look, I can sleep on the floor. 
I've slept on the floor before. He just wanted to make us happy. How much more can our God make us happy? It wasn't by happenstance that he gave them shade. It, it wasn't happenstance that he kept them warm. It wasn't happenstance that he gave them all that they needed to keep them happy. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. Not only that, can he supply? Look here. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. Can he supply? Look at verse 20. Verse 20 said, Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? And remember in our reading, it said that he provided manna uh, from heaven, angels food. He provided it for them uh, from, the, from, from the birds. Can, can he supply? Yes, he can. Can he take care of their need? Yes, he can. Not only does he have the ability to make us happy tonight, but God can supply the need. God can take care of the need. They needed something to eat, and they needed something to drink. And can he do it in the wilderness? Can God furnish a in the wilderness? Can he take care of the things that we cannot take care of ourselves? Can he supply the need? Verse 25 says at the end of 25, he sent them meat to the full. Not only did he provide for them water, not only did he provide for them bread, oh, but he sent them meat to the full. Not only did he give them just enough uh, just to get by for one more day, no, but he gave them enough to fill them full. Can God supply? Yes, he can. God can supply for us uh, what we cannot do for ourselves and he's still a God, he's still a supplying need God just like he was back then he can today and he supplied every need that they needed while they was on their trip in the wilderness can God supply for you like he did the Israelites oh yes he can I remember in my life there have been many times that God has supplied the need when I, I used to work on the railroad and I made a pile of money on the railroad and uh, I enjoyed all that. I, that's how I know it can make you happy I bought some cool toys <laughs> when I worked on the railroad and, and there were some things that made me happy but it didn't satisfy like God. It just made you happy for a season but I worked on the railroad and made a good, good pile of money and, and I had a, a insurance and I had a 401k and I had all these things and the retirement on the railroad some of y'all worked there or still do maybe the retirement on the railroad is, is the best I've ever heard of. When you retire not only do they give you a check but they give your wife half of your check just for being a railroader's wife. <laughs> Ain't that good. Some of y'all ladies look at your husband right now saying, where'd you mess up at? <laughs> you need to get you a job on the railroad, friend. And so it was great. God called me off the railroad to go full-time ministry. He called me assistant pastor of a church. That was the first job I ever had in, in full-time ministry. Assistant pastor of a church. They asked me to come. They called me into the office and they had a, had a meeting with me, with the pastor, and he had, he had the, uh, the, uh, quali uh, the details of the, the description of the job details and, and all the duties and, and the pay and all of that. He said, I want you to come. Now, I had been already preaching. I'd already announced my call to preach by that time, and I was working on the railroad saying, God's going to do something different. I don't know what it is. I used to tell them men on the railroad, I'm not going to retire here. I said, God's going to do something. I don't know if he wants me to pastor. I don't know what he wants me to do. But I know he, can't, he wants me to do something more than this. They're like, more than this? This is a great job. Plus, you live in West Virginia. We are like the most poor poverty state there is. You got a job on the railroad, you're doing pretty well. I said, I'm telling you, God's up to something. Well, sure enough. So I've been praying for years. God gave me that opportunity. So I left the railroad, and I went to the, to, to the church to become assistant pastor. 
And I knew it was going to be a sacrifice. Now, I knew it was going to be hard. They, I was making less than half of what I made on the railroad. I knew that. And they, they didn't give me no insurance, and there was no retirement, and the 401K that I had. Now, some of y'all are thinking, man, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> you can't say what you want. You can take up that with God when you get there, okay? I believe I was listening to him. But I went to that job making no money at all, and then I didn't have no, reti didn't have no retirement, didn't have no insurance, right? And so I took out all my 401K, and I said, if I'm going to be making this less of money, I've got to pay all my bills. So I took all my 401k out and I paid off all my cars and I even paid off my cell phone. You know, I didn't want to pay that payment, that extra 50 bucks a month. I paid off my cell phone. I paid off everything and all I had was a house payment. We was doing all right. We was serving God. We was loving God. We was loving the work. It was less money, but praise God, he was able to give me that 401k, paid off all my bills. We're making it just fine. One year into that job, one, they asked me to come. Now, this was their idea. One year in, almost to the date, it was the same month, they had a meeting with me and said, sorry, we can't pay you no more. We got to cut you in half. So now within one year of leaving the railroad, I'm now down to uh, less than a quarter of what I was making with the railroad in one year with three kids and a wife. <laughs> Try that, man. You want to know if you're tough? Try that, buddy. Oh, man, she about to wear me out. Anyway. So I said, okay, God will provide. It'll be okay, and God will take care of us. You know, it's going to be fine. It'll work out. I thought for sure the church would take up the other half. You know, I thought they'll pay for the same. They'll pay. It'll be okay. They'll, they'll pick up the slack. They ain't, going to let us, they ain't going to let us starve. It's going to be okay. Well, a whole other year goes by, and they have another meeting. Same month. Called me in there and said, we can't pay you none at all no more. <laughs> oh, yeah, this story gets worse and worse. <laughs> it gets good at the end. I'm just building it up. So we get in there and they say, we can't pay you at all no more. I say, well, that, 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 now that don't sound, but that is what I was expecting. And that's not what I've been praying for, just so you know. So within two years, I go from working on the railroad to serving God in the ministry to them telling me we can't pay you no more at all. God never gave me peace to leave. I kept on working. But I had to provide for my family. I said, God, what am I going to do? You brought me here. I said, God, this was your idea. I said, God, I wouldn't have done this. This can't be my thoughts. I had peace. I prayed. God, you opened the door. God, I left. Can God supply? Yes, he can. I said, God, I need help. God, I need a way. God, I need a miracle. I have nothing. I have no job. I have no income. I have no way. And I, I never sowed discord in the church. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to trust God. And I, I reckon they was too. I don't know. But I had lost it all and I had nothing. I said, God, I need help and I don't know what to do. I started finding handyman jobs. I, I would cut grass and I would patch a roof and I, I would fix a, a, a gutters. I was doing that. And I, I remember I would lay some gravel driveways. I would have a dump truck dump off gravel and with a shovel, I would shovel all that gravel to make people gravel driveways. I was doing everything I could. And I'd go back to church and I'd serve and I'd say, God, what are you doing to me? My family's a mess. God, what are you doing? My money's a mess. God, what are you doing? We can't make it. But he'd give me another job and I found out I was pretty good at painting. So I started painting this person's house. They told somebody else. I started painting somebody else's house. And I don't want to paint, mind you. I don't want to spread gravel. I don't want to cut grass, but I got to provide for my family. Bible says I'm less worse than an infidel if I can't provide for my family. And so I just did whatever I could. I said, God, you've got to help me. I didn't have a lot of meetings then because I wasn't a full-time evangelist. I was assistant pastor of a church. I just had a meeting here and there. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I said, God, I'm at a place where I'm in a wilderness. I was saying, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I really did need something to eat. And I really did need something to drink. And I really didn't. Look, this wasn't a want. This wasn't a desire. 
I needed God to come through. And he just kept giving me another paint job and another paint job. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. Should I go back to the railroad or should I keep doing what I'm doing? This is what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, you're the one that brought me here. Lord, you're the one that did this. So I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. And I feel like I can't hear your voice. I said, God, here's what I'll do until you tell me different. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Now, God, I'll paint a house and then I'll preach a meeting. I'll paint a house and I'll preach a meeting. And God, if you keep paying my bills, then I'll just keep painting houses and I'll keep preaching meetings. I said, but God, if you don't pay my bills, I guess you want me to go back to the railroad and hang this preaching thing up. A friend, that's been years ago now. And I can't remember the last time that I had to paint a house. He just kept on helping and he just kept on blessing. He just kept on providing. Can God supply? Oh, yes, he can. He kept my family alive. He met every need. He put food on our table. He put water in our class. He did for us what I could not do for myself. I painted as much as I could. I may have to start painting again next week. But friend, he has took care of me. He has provided my need. And I'm no more special than you are. I'm no more special than an Israelite is. Can God supply? Yes, he can. He can supply the need that you need. The job and the food and the hunger. He's, it's, he's responsible for shelter. He's responsible for clothes. And he's responsible for food. That's what the Bible says. He put himself in responsible for those things. And can God supply? Yes, he can supply. God supplied for me. He supplied. I'd go to a meeting and somebody else would call me. I'd go to another meeting and somebody else would call me. I went to another meeting and your pastor called me. That's how it's been working my whole life now for years. Why? Because God can supply. Not only can he supply, but can he strengthen? Look what the Bible says here. Can he satisfy? Yes, he can. Can he supply? Yes, he can. Can he strengthen? Verse 25 said it was angels' food. This ain't no regular food, friend. This is angels' food. God knew what he was putting in there. This wasn't just some regular old food. This wasn't, no, this wasn't natural. This, this ain't a hamburger, okay? Now, I had a crab cake today. And let me say, I ain't never had no crab cake like what I had today. I was literally sitting on the Chesapeake Bay eating a Chesapeake Old Bay crab cake, friend. I was like, this is what dreams are made of. Can he supply? Yes, he can. Praise the Lord. And so, I, 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 and my dad and mom used to live. They lived for many years. They lived for a good, good bit of years. I can't remember, maybe seven or eight years. They lived in just right around here and stuff. And my dad used to always love crab cakes. I found out why. Because they used to live here in Maryland. So anyway, uh, can he strengthen? Now that crab cake was good. But it wasn't angel's food. You know how I know? Because I'm hungry again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tonight I'm going to have to get me something else to eat. By the way, the teens or the young people that left them brownies over there, they've been real help lately. I don't know if they're healthy, but they're helping. <laughs> I'm still hungry. Oh, that wasn't angel's food. What's angel's food? Do you remember the story of Elijah under the juniper tree? When Elijah was under the juniper tree, the Bible says that they the angel baked a cake, you remember, and laid it up by his head. And he rolled over and ate that cake. And, and then he, he fed him two times, the scripture says, under that juniper tree. And then he says, the get up and eat. The journey is too great for thee. Do you know how that was angel's food? If an angel was cooking it and if an angel provided it, that's angel's food. Do you know how long that Elijah went on that one sandwich?
sandwich. Do you know how long he went on that heavenly crab cake? The Bible says he went 40 days until he ate again. He said, you better get up and eat because the journey's too great for thee. And when he gave him that angel food, it had the ability to keep him strong. It had the ability to keep him fed full for 40 days. The Bible also says in Deuteronomy chapter 29 about the same group of Israelites. This is what it says. It says, I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy feet. This is what he told them. He said, I've led you around here for 40 years in the same wilderness. He said, in the same clothes that you had on at year one are the same clothes that you're still wearing in year 40. The same shoes that you had on, they walked everywhere they went. They wasn't always riding camels. They didn't have chariots and they definitely didn't have a Honda Civic, friend. They was walking everywhere they went and their shoes, the Bible said, had not waxing old. Uh, can God strengthen? Oh, yes, he can. He gave them clothes that did not wear out. He gave them shoes that did not wear out. He said, I'm feeding you with angels' food. Can God strengthen? He can give you what you need to make it another mile. The reason that Brother Andrew can sing the song is because God, God's been able to strengthen him. God's been able to keep him in the fight. God's been able to be there when your world's upside down, when you feel like you can't go on, when you feel like you can't walk another mile. They walked for 40 years, but God said, I'll keep your shoes good. They walked for 40 years, but God said, I'll keep your clothes good. They walked for 40 years and God fed them angels food, the Bible says, and he fed them to the full. Can God strengthen you? Yes, he can. When you feel like you're weak, that's when he is strong. When you feel like you can't go on, that's when he goes on. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And oftentimes in my life, in that season I just told you about, I felt like giving up. I felt like giving in. I'm not telling you I made it because I was a Marine. I'm not telling you I made it because I'm a young man. I'm not telling you I made it because of my money. I'm not telling you I made it because I, I had something that someone else didn't have. I definitely didn't make it by my good looks. I didn't make it by my majestic beard. Oh no friend the only way that I made it to Nottingham, Pennsylvania just to be here with you this week is because there was a God in heaven that was able to strengthen me and my family when we feel like dying, when we feel like going home, when we feel like crying, when we feel like we can't go another mile. He strengthened us in the wilderness. Can he strengthen? Yes, he can. I remember in the Marines, and some of y'all may remember this, we would run in formation. Everybody would run together in a formation. And so there'd be cadence. You know, somebody'd be singing cadence, and you'd be running. You know, you'd be running all in the group, you know. Well, sometimes you'd run five miles, sometimes seven miles, sometimes more, and when it got real long, they would let you spread out. But usually in the group, you ran anywhere from three to 10 miles, something like that, whatever the guy felt like going. And so all, not always did the Marines was able to stay in the pack. Sometimes they may have had a rough night the night before and been a little hungover the next morning. If that's your trouble, you need to give that to the Lord too, praise the Lord. Well, those guys would be rough. We was, we was rough. And, and so you may have had a rough night. Or, or maybe you let yourself get out of shape. Or some people would break a leg or something. So then that whole time that you recoup, you, you're not 
exercising. And so when you get healed, now you're back in the formation. You can't keep up like everybody else. There were some runners that were really good and really fast. And I, I was one of those runners. They would put a yellow belt around us and we would run up ahead of the whole platoon at a crossing and stop the traffic. And we would jog in place, stopping the traffic, me and another guy, while the platoon ran through. When they got all the way through, we was good enough runners so we could catch up all the way back, let the cars go, catch up back to the front and look for the next road crossing. Well, oftentimes, people in the middle of the uh, pack, in the middle of the platoon, they couldn't keep up. Now, they didn't just quit running. You didn't quit and say, all right, I'm ready to go back to the house. You know, I'm ready to go back to the barracks. No, that ain't happening. You're going to finish somehow or some way. And so they would start running and they'd get a little tired and they, they'd fall back and they got to run a little bit slower and they'd be going back and the platoon be going. I mean, they're still running. They're up there screaming and hollering and running, literally. And you'd fall back and, man, you'd be like, I can't make it. I can't make it another mile. I'm ready to give up. And I've been there too, you know. But they, they was like, I can't make it. I'm not, And they'd fall out and fall back in the pack. But you know, we didn't leave them back there in that pack. No, you know what happened? The good runners that was way up here, every now and then it was our job to look in the back to see if anybody was falling back. And you know what we did? We didn't say, oh, you can't make it. You just stay back there. You're just a loser. You're too weak. You'll not be able to make it. You're not as good as it. Oh, no. We, what we would do, we would look and see them falling back and the rest of the platoon running and then one of us would run all the way back to where they were. We would run back to where they were and we would say, you can make it. You can run. You can do it again. Just one more mile. The barracks is around the corner. Come on, run with me. And whether they knew it or not, the motivation from the help, it began to speed them up. It began to give them courage. It began to help them. You'd say, just one more mile. Just one more mile. You can make it. And we would lead them back up and get them in the pack again. Uh, we would strengthen them. We would help them. Uh, we would make sure they was in uh, with everybody else. Why? Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, and they mattered, though in the back, though having a rough day. Uh, and next time that we ran, they might be in the pack when somebody else falls back. But it changed not. We would still go back and strengthen them. Get them back in the fold with everybody else. God's not in the business of shooting his own. God God's not in the business of letting you fall by the wayside. God's not in the business of forsaking you for some other brother or sister that seems to be out ahead. If anything, it's just the opposite for him. The Bible's upside down. He says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He says greatest is the least. We must decrease. He'll increase. And he comes back in the pack, strengthened us and said, hey, you're just as important as everybody else. And God has the ability to to keep you in the fight when you feel like giving up. He can give you strength to make it through your wilderness that you think there's no way God can help. I believe there's least testimony of two tonight we can say. It's a dark wilderness when you have things, especially health issues, that you can't control. But God has strengthened us in the battle. And lastly, and I'm finished, can he save? Can God satisfy? Yes, He can. He can make you happy. Whatever it is that you're trying to fill the void in your heart, only God can do that. Can God supply? Yeah. Yes, He can. Usually we find out God's supplying when we're living by faith. 
Can God strengthen? Yeah, I wouldn't be here today if he didn't. Can he save? Brother Andrew, would you, would you come and prepare, maybe play something softly, whatever you got on your heart? I'm all... Can God save? He saved them from the wilderness. The text that we read said the God of their salvation. God can still save. I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Christian school. Graduated Christian school. My mom and dad were Christians. They got saved when I was two years old. That's the only way I've ever known it. And I never got saved. I made a profession when I was, I guess, a teenager, maybe 12, maybe 13, and and uh, nothing in the heart, just all in the head. I knew what was right to do, and all my friends went up in front of the youth group, so I just went with them, but I never got saved. Never had a desire for God. And I got tired of my mom and dad telling me what to do, so I joined the Marines, where they told me everything to do. 17, 18 years old. I'm not blaming my sin on a girlfriend, but I got with the wrong girlfriend. And she started showing me things and smoking things, and drinking things that I never saw before in my life. I guess it was my choice. I know that. I was living in sin. 18 years old, I'd go join the Marine Corps, turn 19 in boot camp, spend five years in the Marine Corps, lost. Oh, I was a good man. Oh, I was a benefit. I, I served my country. Well, I wasn't a dopehead. I mean, hey, I, I, I did my job. I earned my pay. Oh, but I was lost. Can he save? Oh. I drink and I do things. I'm not glorifying sin, but I think you need to know what God can do. Oh, I enjoyed the liquor. I, I enjoyed the women. I enjoyed the nightlife. I, I enjoyed being a sinner. Never had any problem with it. I was real good at it. My dad died in 2010. November 6, 2010, my dad died. November 6 is also my oldest son's birthday. When I wheeled my dad out to a hearse in his cold, dead body, I picked up balloons from the store on my way home and I tied them to my son's high chair and celebrated his two-year-old birthday. It's bittersweet still to this day. They also say, share the same name. His middle name's John. I named him after my dad. That began a season of my life that I've never felt before. I started feeling like I had no purpose. I started feeling like I had no hope. I started feeling like I had no joy, and I didn't. Oh, but I never had those feelings before. It's called conviction. And I didn't even know it. I had a void in my heart and I, all of a sudden now that my dad's gone, my best friend and my hero, God began to work in my life. It was my dad that prayed that I would get saved. It was my dad that prayed that God would change me. It was my dad that prayed and my dad had to die. My dad had to die so that the prayer could be answered. Yeah. I believe the answer to my dad's prayer was that he would have to die so that I could be saved. You say, well, that doesn't sound very fair. That's my fault for being so rebellious. You can be as hard-headed as you want to. What's it going to cost you? It cost me, I believe, my daddy's life. Wouldn't my daddy change it? Oh, no. No, because his son got born again. 
Five months go by. April comes. I say, God, I don't know what's going on in my life. God, I don't know what's happening. I said, I have no hope and I have no purpose and I have no joy. My wife was not raised in church. She never went to church and she wasn't raised. She doesn't know nothing about it. We didn't have a Bible in the house or nothing like that. My wife knows nothing about church. And I said, how's my, I said, this is what I said to God. I said, God, how am I ever going to save my wife? I can't save her anyway, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was a lost man. But mama taught me to pray. I'm praying to a guy that I've never seen before that they told me lives in a place called heaven. And I'm saying, God, I need your help because I don't know what's happening in my life. Can you help? I said, how am I ever going to save my wife? I had two young boys. My one boy, Isaac, he was five months old at the time. He was born right after my dad passed away. And and so I got these two boys. And I was like, how am I ever going to get these two boys in church? I I don't even know where these desires came from. They came from God. He was tracking me down. He, He was trying to save me. And I said, God, I need your help. I never told nobody. I didn't have a preacher to call. didn't have a pastor. didn't have a dad to call. He was gone. Only person I told was a man I'd never seen before that lived in a place called heaven. Can you help? I came home one day with the same habit that I always had in my hand that I picked up at the gas station. I, I brought my habit home and I, I came home begging God to change my life, begging God to do something, didn't even know what he needed. I came in the door this day and it was different than any day before. When I came in, my wife's sitting on the corner of the couch with the lamp on. She doesn't like overhead lights. She's sitting on that couch and looks up to me as I walk through the front door and she says, Travis, I need a Bible. Mind you, I never told her of my problems. I never told her of my need. I never told her of my prayer. I just told a man I never met before that they said living in a place called heaven that they said can save people. I said, God, I need your help. She said, I need a Bible. I didn't even have a Bible in the whole house. I called some friends, some friends you know. I called some friends and said, what Bible should I buy? They said, go buy this Bible. So I ran to the Lifeway store in Charleston, West Virginia. It's not even there no more. I grabbed that Bible and I take it home. 66 books, 66 books in the Bible. I gave them all to my wife and said, here you go. Have a good time. I didn't tell her go to John and it'd tell you everything you need to know about Christ. I didn't tell her go to Psalms every morning and it would encourage you for the day. I didn't tell her read Proverbs every night and it'll give you the wisdom of God and there's 31 chapters. You could read one a chapter every day of the month and then start over at the beginning of the month and just pour in the chapter. If you don't know that, there you go. You got a reading plan. Oh, I didn't tell her that. I didn't know. I was a fool. I just gave her the Bible and I said, here, have fun. She began reading that Bible at random. She couldn't call my dad, couldn't call her parents, couldn't call a preacher, didn't even have one at the time. She just was reading that Bible at random. Couldn't even ask her husband what to read. She would read through it. Some questions she'd ask me and some I knew and some I didn't and and some questions I'd Google. (laughs) Do not Google, by the way. You have a pastor. You need to ask him. (laughs) Google will mess you up. So we Googled, but God was protecting us because we didn't have no other, we didn't have nothing. So we did the best we can. Could you imagine she got over in Leviticus and she was like, oh my soul. She said, Travis, we're killing everything. She said, we're killing bulls, we're killing does, we're killing doves. We're just sprinkling blood and pouring blood and drinking blood and burning meat and brawl meat. I was like, just keep reading. Leviticus is crazy anyway, just keep reading. She get over to Ezekiel and the wheel within the wheel. I still ain't got that figured out, preacher. She just kept reading. 
I'd go to work and I'd come home. I'd go to work and I'd come home. I came home one day and it was different than it was again before. I came with the habit in my hand. My wife was sitting on the corner of the couch with that lamp on without the overhead lights, but now she had the Bible laid open that she had been reading at random. Only person I told again was a man that I never seen. And I said, God, I need your help. God, I need you to do for me what I cannot do. I didn't even know what I needed. I said, but God, you've got to do a work in my family's life. She began reading that Bible at random. I came home that day and when, she, when I come through the door, she looked up from the couch from reading that Bible and she looked at me and said, Travis, I need to be saved. She found that out by reading randomly uh, through the scriptures of God. I believe there was a leader. I believe there was a guide. I believe there was somebody that was leading her through the pages and it was the Holy Ghost of God. The Holy Ghost was in Charleston, West Virginia. I said, honey, we can do that right now. I called the only pastor I knew on the phone who never answers the phone, but he did that night because the Holy Ghost was in Charleston. He picked up the phone. I said, preacher, this is Travis. He said, I know who it is. I said, my wife says she needs to get saved and I don't know what I'm doing. He said, put her on the phone. I gave her, I took her down through the bedroom in the hallway of my house, 1706 Dudley Drives, where I used to live. We went into that master bedroom. I gave her the phone. She laid on the bed and out of common courtesy and politeness, I shut the door behind her and I don't know what all happened in that room but I went running down the hallway I made it to the living room and I said God if you'll do this for my house if you'll do this for my family if you'll do this for my children you can have me you can have all of me and he saved me that night I didn't have no altar call didn't have no church didn't have no soul winner I just had the Holy Ghost I said God can you save? And he replied, yes, yes I can. Oh my soul. What is it that you need God to do tonight that you think will never be done? Just so you know, I'm a miracle tonight. I should have been dead in my sin. Oh, God should have threw me out a long time ago. He should have never allowed me to make it in the ministry. He should have let me die there without the job. He should have let my family starve, but he supplied. Can he do that? You know how I know he satisfies? Because Jesus satisfied my void. Jesus satisfied my heart. Do you know how he supplies? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the bread of life. The Bible says that Jesus is the living water. If you drink of his water, you'll never thirst. It's a wellspring of everlasting life. Do you know how he can supply? Because Jesus supplies. Do you know how he strengthens? Because when I am weak, he is strong. It was Christ that said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take on my yoke. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It was him that did the work on the cross of Calvary. Can he strengthen? Yes, he did all the work. And can he save because of the work that he done? He can change lives tonight. They're getting ready to sing. Maybe you've got something in your life that you're saying, God, I cannot do this. But you can I cannot supply. I've tried, God, and I can't do it. But you can. I have no strength. I'm ready to give up. It was all I could do just to make it here tonight. But you can. Maybe you're lost tonight. Maybe you know someone that's lost and you've been begging them to get saved. Can God save? Yes, he can. 
If you opened up the portals of glory and asked my daddy, can God save? My dad would say, yes, he can. In an impossible situation, God can do for you what you need done. As they sing, let's stand all over the building. How I wonder if there be anyone. The Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure.